you know, when we're not well, nothing works, <laughs> nothing feels <laughs> good. So our educational outcomes work, but also our employment outcomes, our productivity, our relationships, our health, like everything just snowballs. Hey everyone, and welcome to Cast Teachily. I'm your host, Ashna Matani, and I am so excited to be joined today by our guest, Dr. Louise Lambert, who will be talking to us today about teacher well-being. Thank you for joining us, Louise. Would you mind please introducing yourself to our listeners? (laughs) Absolutely. Hi, everyone. So it's great to be here. So I am a researcher in positive psychology. And one of the areas that I look at is um, well-being, particularly in schools, but also from a cultural lens as well. And well, I do kind of a bunch of different things, but yeah, we'll leave it at that. I'm a psychologist and a researcher. Great. And what are some of the ways you're kind of working in the education space, you know, particularly like around teacher well-being or positive Mm. education, I believe? Yeah. So largely what I've been doing is positive education programs for students themselves. And then one of the areas that I started to look at uh, which I think everybody's sort of coming to the same conclusion in the research literature as well, is that, you know, it's one thing to boost the well-being of students, but if you're not going to do it for teachers, it's kind of like, hmm, (laughs) going a little bit, you know, opposite the grain of what it is that you actually want to accomplish. Absolutely. So, yeah, so I'm kind of gravitating more towards the adults in the room and trying to ensure that they're at their best and looking at how we can use the science of well-being, different strategies, not just at a classroom level, but also as an organization. How do we ensure that teachers are at their best? And so like, what are some of the things that you're doing to focus on the teacher side of things or, or kind of what are the strategies that you've been implementing? Really like a little bit more about how you're getting into the teacher problem. <laughs> yeah. So I think part of it at the moment is also about raising awareness. Right. Um, so just like maybe two or three years ago, we really started talking about student well-being and a lot of people were coming like, well, what, what, isn't it enough just to read and write? <laughs> um, you know, and I think yeah. now it's it's also raising that awareness in uh, in the area or in the sphere of teachers, but schools as a whole. That well being is not something just for one group of people, but it is something that organizations as a whole need to be looking at. So strategies that can be done at a whole school level. So this could be looking at things like leadership, the idea of visible well being. It could also be individual strategies that teachers do for themselves, which I'm going to do some of that on the weekend with teachers. And uh, also things that teachers can be doing, you know, with one another or with themselves. So that could be team coaching. It could be thinking of ways to support one another better. So there's things at the professional level, there's things at the organizational level, and there's things at the personal level as well. So we can look at well-being at, at a number of different ways. Of course. And what kind of level do you place the most emphasis on or where do you think we should be placing the most emphasis on? Obviously, personal is a given, but in addition Mm -hmm. to that, would you recommend that there's another level that needs more so attention in order to kind of have a ripple effect? Yeah, absolutely. So I always think well-being needs to start at the top. Because again, if you're doing it for yourself, that's great. But if it's not supported by the organization, if it's not embedded into the actual workplace, if it's not part of the daily routine, if it's not something that's modeled and encouraged and celebrated, and um, I would say even more than that, but 
expected as part of professional development, then it could be really hard to do. And there's much research showing that when well-being is not done well, it ends up coming out as a bit of a punishment, right? Absolutely. You're going to be happy (laughs) versus, no, no, this is a shared job. It's a shared responsibility. So I always come back to the idea of that visible well-being and expectations. So visible well-being is going beyond just saying that well-being matters, but actually it's something that we see in our actions, in our practices, in our words. And again, not just teachers themselves, but all the way from the top down to the bottom. So it could be something as simple as, you know, and I'm just going to take this time right now, which is kind of apt because everybody's stressed and love all this working from home stuff. Yeah, remote teaching as well. Yeah, you know, so it could be as simple as, you know, just getting an email from your manager saying, hey, I am going to be going to the gym between 1230 and 1.15. I will not be available to answer your emails. And I expect that you will do something for yourself as well. Let me know what your well-being plan is for the week or the day. Yeah. So that's visible in the sense that you've been given the green light. It's written in words. You've got an evidence of an email. <laughs> and, you know, this is what we, we talk about in terms of practices. Right. So again, it's not just enough to say it, but it's, no, I, I'm expecting you to, and I'm encouraging you to. Some schools, you can go so far as to implement it as part of the professional development goals. Okay. Or KPIs, annual evaluations, so really making well-being serious. Just a Absolutely. nice thing to do. It's 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 a, it's something we expect. Yeah, and and I think like as society evolves, that well-being is slowly slowly starting to become like the norm of working culture. I've seen a lot of debates where it was like, why do I ever need to tell my boss that I need to go for a doctor's appointment? It, it, it's a very normal part of life. Why should it be something that I do get green lighted for? Mm-hmm. Um, so absolutely, it is interesting. And how do you think, like, because obviously within schools, it's it's a very traditional setting. You know, they kind of have to practice what they preach. But how, how do you suggest schools or what kind of measures would you recommend for schools to slowly start breaking this norm into like a habit, you know, kind of evolving into practicing well-being daily and having it be okay, you know, going to the gym from this time to this time. Like, how would we allow that to become like the norm? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, I don't think it's one thing that you do, but, you know, if we think about the trend from smoking to not smoking, you know, that exercising during during the day is actually okay. So all of these things are ideas that evolved over time. And I think getting that management buy-in is imperative. So if, if the top is not on board, then it becomes very hard to do anything at the bottom because then we still have a little bit of that stigma of, oh, you know, they're at the gym, they're not working, they're fooling around, they're having another pizza party. <laughs> um, but it's recognizing what these things do and what is the value in them. So I think it, it's just really starting with the conversation and you can have that at many different levels. So if you've yeah. got somebody at the top who has bought into it, start introducing the idea of well-being almost as a guiding policy. Yeah. Typically in schools, the policies around, you know, what's going to help educational outcomes. And, and maybe we need to broaden that to what is going to account for well-being outcomes, which encompasses educational outcomes. So it's really changing the philosophy and the shift. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Coming from the top to the bottom, essentially, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I think it's including teachers in that. So having that conversation with them. Again, well-being is not something we do to people, but it's something that we evolve 
that everybody ends up doing together. Yeah. So it's, you know, asking them both from a, a negative and positive perspective. So what's one thing you could do to make things better? So if there was something that is a stressor or a pain point, what is it? How do we get rid of it? But also what's something you could do to improve, you know, experiences yeah. of positive emotion, greater engagement, better relationships, more meaning. So looking at removing the pain as much as adding the good. And teachers obviously are a really good source of feedback for that because yeah. they will let you know what they need and what they would like and what's, Absolutely. And what's not working. Yeah. yeah. And and do you think slowly, um, and especially maybe because of the results of this pandemic, that the shift will happen more? Because obviously we're not seeing this quite a lot, but do you think now the senior leaders um, and say managers essentially will start making this shift into focusing on teacher well-being? I think absolutely they will. And I think yeah. many already are. So that's been a really good uh, outcome of all of this. So not yeah. just in schools, but I think just organizations and society as a whole, we're recognizing that, you know, when we're not well, nothing works. <laughs> nothing feels <laughs> good. So our educational outcomes work, but also our employment outcomes, our productivity, our relationships, our health, like everything just snowballs into one big culminating end that needs to be dealt with at some point. So why not take this advantage? And, and I kind of like that everything's disrupted at the moment because yeah. it gives us the opportunity to say, all right, well, while everything's all messed up, like, <laughs> let, let's, you know, let's try and put in some... Yeah better habits better absolutely. processes and procedures to do things differently absolutely I think like within a lot of organizations or even schools it, it might be the situation that senior leaders or managers are in this position where they themselves don't prioritize well-being they don't see it as significant and now obviously we're talking about the rare percentage of people but but what would you say to people like that like how would you get them into the mindset of thinking about well-being how do you take that switch because I know in a lot of cultures as well well-being isn't something that's necessarily the focal point or it's not really mm -hmm. something that's ever been spoken about so how would you kind of instruct those people or guide them towards thinking about it towards making that shift or or having teachers talk about it you know, ways that their managers can implement it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So there's a couple of questions in there. Yeah. So uh, one, I think, you know, and, and I hate to reduce well-being to dollars and cents. That's okay. one language that everybody understands. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that is the most effective. So even to do almost like a ledger, like how much time off are teachers taking due to sick leave or worse, how much time off are they not taking what we call presenteeism? So they're here, but they're just not really in it. Um, how does that impact, you know, student satisfaction, student learning? How does that impact employee satisfaction? You know, again, sick leave, turnover, organizational commitments, all of these things that can be operationalized, that can be put into numbers. And I think when people start actually doing the math, people get convinced, but I think we've not put figures. These are not necessarily things that we've traditionally measured. You know, sure. oh, well, who cares if our teachers are satisfied or not, as long as they're doing the job. But actually, it does matter if they're satisfied or not, because they will do the job bad. And then that will trickle down, trickle down, trickle down. Yeah. So sometimes it's, it's just having that kind of awkward conversation that if you do care about money, this is about money. But I also <laughs> think we can also make the argument that this is a moral issue as well. If your sure. workplace is harming people, like that's a moral issue there. You shouldn't go to work and be harmed in some way. 
or to come out the worst for it. So there's a number of you know arguments that we can make. And again, when we think about you know schools, the argument is there, but I think just organizations in general, there's so much research, really good research. Uh, Gallup in particular is a great place to look at, showing that you know happier employees are more productive. The organizations turn over greater profits, yeah. rates of absenteeism, turnover. So all of these things make a difference. Over Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. That's a, that's a really nice way to put it, actually, like especially for people who cannot understand it or can't see it really from an individual's perspective. It's like, okay, well, if you don't want to look at the whole picture, well, look at your company's picture. How will it reflect on your company or your school if your teachers are unhappy? And if you're one of those you know, I call them unicorns that doesn't care about money then. The other thing to look at is, you know, we know that teacher well-being is implicated in student achievement, SAT scores, as well as youth well-being, youth stress. So it's also in parents' interest as well to start making teacher well-being an issue because that has an impact on their children's learning. So there's a number of different levers that we can use to start okay. having that conversation. And um, what are some of those levers? Like, how would we really help teachers to have these conversations, you know? Because I think in majority of schools, these conversations are happening. And when you look at Twitter, mm-hmm. especially the education Twitter, they are happening. But, you know, something that I have been reflecting on is is what I mentioned earlier, like the cultural kind of restrictions or in, like, in cultures where talking about your well-being and your mental health isn't as acceptable or isn't as common yeah and that's a good question and it's always who's going to be the brave person to go you know what if i lose face over this whatever i'm going to say it anyway and and i think we are starting to see that conversation i know even some of the public schools which tend to be you know the, the national schools i mean they're starting to have that conversation and you know so if we think about you know saving face certain things you don't talk about i think that is changing a little bit everywhere and i think that's also one of the advantages that we have here in the uae is you know having a minister of happiness and well-being has opened up that conversation so that's now it's almost like well you have to talk about it right? <laughs> so, that, <laughs> you know, so that's been a good benefit there as well but i think the thing the biggest thing to remember is that you know when it comes to teacher well-being it's a real issue so again looking at some of the gallup data teachers are experiencing very high levels of stress the same amount as nurses and doctors oh wow um, so that was some of the gallup data i, I don't know if during this pandemic you can still say that but yeah. um, certainly uh, historically and up to 50% leave the profession in the first five years. Yeah, so I think that's a, a large concern. That's massive. So this is a concern for the profession itself, which would also implicate the type of training that teachers get at university as well to be able to better prepare them for yeah. what's coming. You're not just standing up in the classroom and reading something, but it's a super stressful job. Of um, course, yeah. And I think it has changed a lot from reading from a whiteboard there's all of this innovation that's taking place creating mm-hmm. creative lessons and all of this you know for sure and it's probably one of the few professions where you're the teacher and you're the student and you're the caregiver and you're this 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 like there's so many hats as a yeah. teacher that other career you know when you're an accountant you're an accountant that's true it's one role (laughs) that's That's your job you know counts right and and teaching is just that never-ending reinvention and against the clock so this is the other difference in teaching that other professions don't have if i'm not done my work as an accountant 
I can take a break and come back and just work late. As a teacher, you can. Yeah, there's some very distinct stressors that are unique to teaching. Absolutely. Don't exist anywhere. Yeah. No, absolutely. And I think I think these stressors is what makes it such a difficult profession and why, absolutely, as you said, why we see almost a 50% dropout rate from schools. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is unheard of. I think that's probably one of the highest of, of any of the professions you can think of. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And on the flip side, I mean, you know, I'm just kind of thinking in another direction, but mm-hmm. do you think on the other hand, that teacher well-being will start to be less of a concern as we see more online teaching. You know, we're kind of, in some situations, there's been a replacement of teachers with YouTube videos or with Khan Academy, for example. So do you think, on the other hand, um, senior leaders or schools will care a little less because if they see their teachers dropping out, they're a bit like, okay, well, we've made that swap to online learning. So I guess in a sense, we're, we're kind of talking about whether the profession in itself will cease to exist. Mm, this is interesting. Certainly that's been the conversation. So I teach at university and, yeah. and even I felt that I'm like, I don't really think I serve a purpose anymore. Like, frankly, you know, yeah. go look at a video, read this, answer this, let me know when you're done. You know, so, yeah. I, know I think, I think that's a, a legitimate question. I think teaching yeah. will change by default. It, right. it will just because of all the technology on the other hand, that might free up teachers to do more of the human aspect and what is important about teaching that perhaps machines and technology and the distance uh, being one step removed is maybe harder to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but it, it, is it changing? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, again, there's been definitely some benefits out of the pandemic and that's to see the whole field change to Absolutely. what I don't know but I think the role will be changing yes yeah, it's exciting yeah. and stressful all yeah that's what I was gonna say I was like I feel like that in itself is also another thing that's affecting teacher well-being and it's just another thing to be worried about and feel stressed about and it's it just seems like a vicious cycle really mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. We'll see where it goes. Yeah. <laughs> well, unfortunately, Louise, we are almost out of time here today. Is there any one thing you would like to say to our teachers, our listeners out there who are listening and struggling with their well-being? Any form of advice or motivation or a quick tip? Well, I'll certainly have some over the weekend. But I think, you know, one of the things that certainly helps me when I kind of like, why are you doing this? I'm getting annoyed. I'm always grading. Well, <laughs> It is really to think about why did you become a teacher? Yeah. You know, so coming back to what is meaningful about this role, what is your purpose? And, you know, there's a reason you became a teacher and not a banker. True. <laughs> there's a reason you became a teacher and not that accountant. Yeah. And reminding ourselves of that yeah. um, can sort of help steal us in the face of stressors and uncertainty absolutely well thank you so much for sharing that that was very beautiful and hopefully to any of our teachers listening you find the strength to stay grounded wonderful thank you so much thank you so much for sharing your insights with us dr louise and for those of you who are interested in hearing more from dr louise please check out our free virtual teacher retreat event Um, you can find out more information on the teacherly website which is www.teacherly.io and thank you for tuning in to cast teacherly and once again thank you louise (music) 